Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune Podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. You can learn more about our courses, our community, and everything we do at onecommune.com. Okay, so today on the show, I am featuring a lesson on loving kindness from the brilliant Buddhist meditation teacher, Sharon Salzberg. Sharon is a New York Times bestselling author, penning numerous books, including the recent release, Real Change. After immersing into the practice through her travels in Southeast Asia, Sharon returned to the United States in 1974 to co-found the Insight Meditation Society with Jack Kornfield and Joseph Goldstein. She's been leading retreats around the world for over four decades. And I'll simply add here that no one I know embodies mindfulness, gentleness of spirit, and generosity more than Sharon. She lives the Dharma fully. So in today's lesson, Sharon explores metta meditation. And metta is Sanskrit and generally translated as loving kindness. A metta meditation is one in which one can send either themselves or someone else love or compassion, often through the repetition of a simple mantra. A loving kindness can be interpreted as a sense of interconnectedness, a reminder that we are not separate beings living in an atomized universe. The practice of loving kindness reaffirms the potential within all of us for love. So today's lesson is an excerpt from day five of Sharon's commune course, Compassionate Resilience. To access her full course, if you're interested, and try commune membership for 14 days for completely free, go to onecommune.com slash join. So I hope you enjoy Sharon Salzberg. My name is Jeff Krasno, and welcome to Commune. Welcome back. Today we're going to talk about loving kindness, most particularly offering it and receiving it ourselves. So loving kindness is the common term for what in the Buddhist tradition is called metta, M-E-T-T-A. It's usually translated as loving kindness, sometimes as love, sometimes as my preference, which is the force of connection. We talk about loving kindness not in terms of, say, liking somebody or approving of them, but having this bone-deep recognition that our lives are connected. And for ourselves, it's a way of appreciating our potential. It's said that no matter what we've gone through, no matter who we are, what our history, or what we may yet go through, there is within us this possibility of growth, of change, of clarity, of love, of connection. And so we practice loving kindness as a way of affirming that truth. I've often been approached by scholars and translators and asked, well, why say loving kindness? It's such an odd term. It's not something, say, if you go to a coffee shop, you'll necessarily hear people at the next table talking about 
it might make the quality itself seem somewhat arcane and removed from day-to-day life, which is really not true. They say, just say love, that's what you mean. But love, of course, is a very complicated word. Like, what do we mean when we say love? Sometimes we really, frankly, mean a medium of exchange. Like, I will love you as long as you love me in return, as long as you demonstrate it in this precise way, as long as the following 15 conditions are met. I once used that example with a group, and someone in the room called out, only 15 conditions? So I will love you as long as, however many conditions are met, I will love myself as long as I never make a mistake. And we all know, like, the fragility, the breakability of that state. So when we say loving kindness or love in this context, it has to mean something more sustainable, more accessible, something that isn't going to break as circumstances break or change. I think sometimes of this line in a movie, the movie was Dan in Real Life, it was uh, now maybe 12 years ago, and the line is, Love is not a feeling, it's an ability. Love is not a feeling, it's an ability. And of course, it's a feeling as well, but think about that. Love is an ability. Because I know when I have felt that love was some kind of commodity, it was really in someone else's hands to give me or take away from me. And if they took it away from me, I'd be bereft. I'd have nothing. There'd be no love in my life. Whereas if I see love as an ability, it's within me. I get the image sometimes of like the UPS person standing at the doorstep holding this package for me of love and looking down at the address and saying, no, made a mistake, and going off. And I'm going, wait a minute, you know, then I have nothing. If it's an ability, it's within me. And other people may ignite it or inspire it or threaten it, but it's mine to cultivate, to empower, to enjoy, to nurture. So that's very much the sense of of loving kindness. It's a powerful sense of connection that we can have for ourselves and certainly we can have for others. A lot of it has to do with how we pay attention. If, for example, with yourself, you are the kind of person who comes to the end of the day and you tend to evaluate yourself, like, how did I do today? Let's just say you're the kind of person who pretty well only remembers the things you did wrong and the mistakes you made and the ways you could have shown up differently, let's just say. So much so that your whole sense of who you are and all that you will ever be just collapses around that really stupid thing you said at that meeting. Offering yourself loving kindness, wishing yourself well, is almost like asking yourself, anything else happened today? What's the good within me? And you think about, say, a benefactor, someone who's helped us, someone who's been kind to us or inspiring for us, Maybe we've never met them. They've inspired us from afar. 
This could be a mentor, it could be a friend, could be a poet. It could be a puppy, actually. I often use these days a puppy as a benefactor in my mind because my friends adopted a puppy and the family is like a good deal happier than they were before. So I think of that puppy as a kind of benefactor. The suggestion is that we think of someone who when we think of them, we smile. Like who lifts our spirits? Who do we enjoy? Just that sense of, of their being, past or present. And we actually offer loving kindness to that being. That doesn't mean that, you know, we think we're going to fix them in some way or, or whatever. It's a moment of appreciation, of recognition, that we're not so alone, actually, that we are relying on and can appreciate the bounty in our life from having someone that brings us that sense of upliftment. So we offer loving kindness to ourselves as the first recipient. We offer loving kindness to others, ending ultimately in all beings everywhere. But for now, we're going to focus on the offering of loving kindness to ourselves, to a benefactor, and then our own receiving of it. So once again, this is not something that's selfish or self-centered. It's acknowledging the, the power of love, the sense of care that can come instead of condemnation, the ability to stretch in how we pay attention, and recognizing that something like offering love is a practice of generosity. It's like the generosity of the spirit. And just like material generosity is said to best come from a sense of inner abundance, not obligation, not duress, not kind of a public show, but it's almost like that natural spillover from a sense of inner abundance or at least inner sufficiency. If we offer ourselves or we can take in the loving kindness being offered to us, we have the possibility of really building and fortifying that sense of inner abundance. A friend of mine, Barbara Fredrickson, is a researcher, University of North Carolina. She researches positive states. She has this theory that she proposed about states like loving kindness, gratitude, things like that. It's called the Fredrickson Broaden and Build Theory that we cultivate these states not just for, you know, lying around being self-satisfied. We cultivate these states first because they broaden our perspective. They open up our world, our sense of possibility. We expand. And that makes sense to me because I know when I'm lost in fear or opposite states from these positive states, I contract. My world gets very small. It feels very limited, whereas in the cultivation of loving-kindness, things open up and then build. To develop these states means to build a sense of inner resource. So 
we meet adversity without feeling so undone, that we have nothing from within to rise to a challenge. We meet joy in a way that isn't shunning it or, or pushing it away. And we even have a different relationship to kind of ordinary, neutral, routine experiences that we usually don't even notice because we're coming at the world and all the different range of experience with this different sense of inner resource. And so we're going to practice really deepening this quality of care and love, and paying attention differently to ourselves, to a benefactor, and explore the reciprocal nature of generosity. hope you enjoyed today's lesson from Sharon Salzberg. This episode is an excerpt from day five of Sharon's commune course, Compassionate Resilience. To access her full course and try commune membership free for 14 days, go to onecommune.com slash join. And drop me a line any old time with comments or suggestions at jeffk at onecommune.com. And make my mom proud by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That's it from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you. Yeah.